somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And well, Trump did it. Trump got rid of the Cheney, the Bush, and uh, the Clinton dynasties. Uh, that's no small feat, folks. So Liz Cheney got dumped by about 37%, almost 40%. The biggest. The biggest uh, defeat, it says here, Liz Cheney loses primary to Harriet Hageman, 37 points, making this the fourth worst incumbent loss since 1968. That's a rebuke, folks. And you wonder what they're thinking up in Alaska, you know. Got to study the political landscape up there. But Sarah Palin got beat by the Democrat. And that was a special election. So they're going to go at it again in November. Hopefully they could retool and retweak. And, you know, we need to pick up those House seats. And Sarah Palin can do it in that seat. It's interesting, but Alaska and Wyoming have just one House seat. So if you're a con- con- you know, congressman or a woman from Wyoming or, or uh, Alaska, you're like a senator almost. You know? you're, you're the only, you're the only uh, constituent. You, you know, the, the, whole, the whole state is your district. So you're representing the whole state. And, um, and those two races were last night. Of course, uh, Shabaka... Kelly Shabaka was very close, nipping at the heels of Lisa Murkowski. And they'll have four people going into the general election in November. And I think Shabaka can close that gap. Uh, but there's a lot of outside money that's going into Lisa Murkowski's race. And you wonder why that is. Why is it that they're so interested in 
you know, outside sources are so interested in putting a rhino. But Mitch McConnell and a whole bunch of rhinos have made it their mission to try to get Lisa Murkowski reelected. Tim Scott from South Carolina, Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, both heavily endorsed Lisa Murkowski. You wonder why this is. Why do they want to have a rhino like Lisa Murkowski in the Senate? What are they about? And we should hold them accountable as well. You know, um, Laura Ingram has made some news. And uh, so she she came out with um, a statement, but I think she's been taken a little bit out of context. Um, she was basically uh, insinuating that it might be time for uh, to turn the page with Trump. And, you know, I uh, I could not disagree with that more. The fact that she made that statement is disheartening, to say the least, um, to, to make that statement. I'm actually trying to find the statement. I queued it up for the show, and somehow it disappeared. But um, that happens in live radio. But I'm going to read it to you here in a second when I, when I, when I do get it. Oh, right here. It was staring me right in the face. So Fox News, Laura Ingram says Americans might be ready to turn the page on Trump. And her exact quote is this. They're exhausted by the battle, the constant battle, that they may believe that, well, maybe it's time to turn the page if we can get someone who has all Trump's policies who's not Trump. And I disagree with that on so many levels. Number one, nobody deserves our support more than Donald Trump. Nobody. Not DeSantis, not anybody. I get I get it. I get the argument that she's trying to make there. That Trump is just so polarizing and volatile that, you know, with DeSantis, you can get just as much, uh, you know, just as much genius with Trump that you got with Trump, but without the baggage, without the polarizing nature of it. And in some ways, you know, you can make that argument and you can say, well, as soon as Trump gets on the ticket, they would, uh, the Democrats would vote for, you know, um, would vote for a slug, would vote for a worm, would vote for, you know, what anything, a rock. They would vote for anything because they just can't stand Trump. And, you know, the, the, the question is, do they feel the same way about DeSantis? I, I actually believe they do. But, you know, Trump just calls it straight. He says exactly the truth. And people can't handle the truth. They cannot handle, they, they need to create this political correctness, fuzziness about things. You know, but even Harriet Hagman, the woman who gave the beatdown of all beatdowns to Liz Cheney last night, even she 
used to call Donald Trump a xenophobe and uh, tried to get him off the ballot in Wyoming and did everything she could to discredit Trump. And then now she has Trump in every one of her ads and she won in a historic landslide. I don't understand, though, why these people are so blind and so dumb when it comes to Trump. And, you know, you say what you want about Trump. You know, there are people that I get it that there are people that don't like Trump. And I get that. And I understand that. But to call him for Harriet Hegman to call him a xenophobe. Where is she getting her information Why would you call somebody a xenophobe? Somebody who is intolerant of other types of people. Trump is married to foreigners. He's married to immigrants. He's married to people. He's married to people from Europe. He's been all over the world. He deals with Chinese businessmen all the time. He deals with the Saudi Arabs all the time with building investments and all kinds of things. He has an historic relationship with Herschel Walker and the USFL when he took that gamble and that risk. He worked with boxers all up and down the ranks of boxing back in the day when he ran a casino. Yeah, he even worked with the mob and the Italians. And... He's worked with everything in between. He worked with Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton loved him. Jesse Jackson loved him. Loved his money. So to actually call Trump a xenophobe is is like the most ridiculous thing, especially from a woman like Harriet Hageman, who resides in a state that's about as white as you can get, or used to be anyway. Trump is from Queens, New York. So, no, it just doesn't make any sense. Why would she do that? Of all the things you could pick on Trump about, why would you call him a xenophobe? That just doesn't make any sense. It's a lack of due process. It's a lack of integrity. But you know what? I'm happy that Harriet Hagman, just like J.D. Vance, I'm happy that J.D. Vance is the guy that's going against Tim Ryan in, in Ohio. I'm happy that Harry Harriet Hagman uh, has the mantle and she'll she's the heir apparent. She'll win that seat. Wyoming's never going to vote for a Democrat there. So in November, she'll win in a landslide. And that's great. Good, good on Harriet Hagman. But I just don't understand the conservatives out there that have a beef with Donald Trump. But, you know, we heard uh, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina call Trump a xenophobe, very much like a Harriet Hagman. You know, and, and it doesn't make any sense to call Trump that. Of all the things you can call Trump, that's not one of them. So then you got to ask yourself the question, why are they making stuff up out of whole cloth And what kind of person does that? What kind of person just comes up out of thin air with no proof, no due process, no 
integrity, no chain of custody, and they come up with this fake evidence. And the words come out of their mouth that have no meaning. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I was a little surprised when I heard that uh, this morning about Harriet Hagman. I, I don't know anything about her. She's a you know she's a lawyer out there, but kudos to Harriet Hagman for winning. I mean, because there's nothing worse than Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney is the most god awful human. For her to sit there and be the puppet of Nancy Pelosi in the J six, and she's still going to have her day in the spotlight. And it was funny she compared herself to Lincoln, <laughs> of all people. And Gettysburg. And somehow Trump is that figure, right? Trump is that much of a threat to America. Do you know that Liz Cheney, from 2017 to 2020, they did a financial calculation on her net worth. And she went in with about $7 million. And in 2020, she was her net worth went from $7 million to $44 million. In three years, as a state, a U.S. congresswoman, she went from $7 million to $44 million. Where did she get that kind of bank? I mean, meanwhile, her father, Dick Cheney, sold out Iraq, just basically as a broker, cleared it out. And Lindsey Graham is still milking that for all it's worth because... As I had said to you, Lindsey Graham was arm-in-arm with Obama trying to finance ISIS, using them as mercenaries to protect oil pipelines and distribution channels into Europe and into Africa. And that's why they overthrew Gaddafi. That's why they set up a staging ground in Benghazi. That's why they tried to overthrow Egypt. Because these were toll collectors. They were going to take too big of a piece of a pie. And this is why they were able to pull it off because they had all the support from the globalists in Europe. And they were laundering money out of Montenegro and through Ukraine. And they would write it off as strategic influencing or strategic principles to say we could go and deliver to Ukraine black market products that uh, wouldn't be appropriate to be sanctioned by a nation so as to avoid threatening Russia. So you do it on the black market and you achieve two goal, two birds with one stone. You get Ukraine to have the bioweapons and the biolabs and the, uh, you know, the uh, non-sanctioned weaponry on the black market that threatens Russia. At the same time, you're making a lot of money on the black market and you're laundering as well because somebody has to pay these ISIS warriors or deliver them weaponry. So you give Ukraine a billion dollars 
And you withhold it if they don't fire the uh, prosecutor like Victor Shokin, who's going after Burisma, who is paying off Hunter Biden. It's all connected. That's why when Trump wanted to leave Syria, Lindsey Graham said, no, that's a, that would be the worst thing you could do. Of course, ISIS was being held up in Syria. Raqqa, Syria, to be exact. And that's where they had, had their head, headquarters. And Russia didn't like it because Russia's great friends with the Assad kingdom. And Russia didn't like the shenanigans going on in Ukraine because it was impeding on their interests. And here we are now with a central war. And, you know, it's interesting, but Putin made a statement and he says he lashes out at America accusing Washington of trying to prolong the war in Ukraine and fueling other conflicts, branding Pelosi's visit to Taiwan a strategy to destabilize the region. So the Russian president made his remarks in a televised address on Tuesday. He said Pelosi's visit was a brazen demonstration of disrespect for the sovereignty of other countries and for its international obligations. The Russian tyrant ordered his troops into neighboring Ukraine on February 24th, is what the Daily Mail says, with crushing Western sanctions being imposed as a result. Putin has worked to bolster ties with the countries in Africa and Asia, especially with China. On the issue of Taiwan sovereignty, he has strongly sided with Beijing. Of course he is. Because Russia's a weak country, and they need a strong ally in order to maintain their status. And of course, BRICS is going to be an offshoot of this. And don't think that for one second that Jake Sullivan and and uh, Biden's so-called in foreign affairs apparatus, you know, we saw what they did with Afghanistan, how much they botched that up. But, you know, that was a plan, too. It looked like a botch, but it wasn't. It was a choice. Just like when Mallorca says we're trying to secure the border, but we're limited with funds. We're doing the best we can. No. He's going out of his way doing backflips, trying to open the border. It's what globalists do. They move people around like sheep. And if you don't believe me, why well, I got a clip from the Prime Minister of Australia that says exactly those words, moving them around like sheep. So the Afghanistan thing was was also by design. We wanted to give, not we, me and you, but Biden and his team relished, wanted, was part of the agreement to leave our assets behind and give them $80 billion worth of stuff. We said we can't beat them. We might as well join them. We've been in this war for 20 years Taliban's never going away. They're like cockroaches. Now we're eating cockroaches, apparently. It's a big thing, eating insects. It's another story that's just insane. Insects. We're going to all be eating insects. Barbecued insects. Barbecued crickets. 
you know, mesquite, roaches, you know, chips. It's kind of crazy. This is what they'll have you do. But this Afghanistan thing is is uh, kind of interesting. We're a year out from it, and uh, there's a lot of reflection upon it. And uh, things aren't going right there. They're not going as promised. And the Taliban, we, we propped them up. We gave them their government. We gave it to them. And we, we allowed them that power. And we gave it to them. We said, we're pulling out, but we're gonna, somebody needs to run this country. And Taliban is the lesser of two evils, is the way we looked at it. And they're going to need assets to protect themselves. So we're going to go ahead over there and we're going to train the Taliban. We're going to train the Taliban to figure out how to run our helicopters and choppers and tanks and Humvees. And we're going to give them training. And we did that. The same America the Biden America that waves the Black Lives Matter flag above the embassy in Kabul and in the German embassy and puts rainbow flags atop their buildings to celebrate Pride Month and Black Lives Matter, which is nothing but a Marxist, socialist, radical, violent, terrorist group that funnels money to the Democrat Party raising funds out of turmoil and chaos. They create the mess. They create the chaos. They create the riots. And they create the urgency on purpose so that they can fundraise off the poorest of the black folks, the people that are so dumb and blind that they can't see straight. And they use them almost as pawns, if not slaves who shed blood in the streets to create the violence that you see perpetrated throughout these cities in the name of Black Lives Matter. There was a new statistic that came out about Black Lives Matter, and it was actually on YouTube. And I think, you know, it's... it's uh, I'm actually going to play this clip. It was quite amazing, frankly. And it was with, um, it said, it said, Black Lives Matter, 91% of all the riots, 91%, uh, 91% of all the riots, right here. Let's take a listen. All right, so this is 91% of all the riots over the three months. Uh, were run and led by Black Lives Matter, which is absolutely disgusting. Let's take a listen. Study the Black Lives Matter movement is linked to more than nine in ten riots across America. The study defines riots as demonstrations in which any demonstrator engages in violently disruptive or destructive acts as well as mob violence. According to the data collected by the U.S. Crisis Monitor, the U.S. experienced 637 riots between May 26th and the 12th of September. Out of these, 91% of those were riots linked to the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, 
These include demonstrations that have a local BLM group involved or when the main issue of the demonstration concerns police brutality against black people in general. The study found that 49 states experienced riots during that time period. California led the nation with 86 riots during that time, closely followed by Oregon with 79 riots during the same time period. The data also showed that 7% of Black Lives Matter linked events have in fact turned violent eventually. This comes as the Black Lives Matter movement has seen an explosion of support around the world. Celebrities and large corporations have financially supported the Black Lives Matter network, which is the global arm of the movement. The movement exploded in America after the killing of unarmed black man George Floyd on the 25th of May in police custody. So there it is. It's it's just crazy that we're still talking about J6. And there's this new video footage that came out over at Revolver News that is talking about new video footage of the pipe bombers from January 5th. And they're sitting down and the the FBI is withholding video that would clearly show a certain uh, movement with this pipe bomb and they won't release the videotape so there's some video that came out and some of the behavior is blocked by a hedge and they know that they have different angles but they only they edited the ang- the, the one with the right angle uh, they edited it so that, that you don't see exactly what it is that they don't want you to see so, of course, the FBI is is a corrupt institution at this point, and it's led to, you know, all the things that we're experiencing today. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's a bit of a problem. Um, getting to the FBI and Mar-a-Lago, Trump has made a series of statements we're going to go ahead and read uh, his his statements. But one of the things I wanted to cover that's really important to this, and we're going to replay a, a Cash Patel um, interview uh, commentary, but it's related to this, in my opinion. I said it's worth repeating that Trump declassified crossfire, crossfire hurricane on January 19th, 2021. He may have held the documents as leverage. Biden and his DOJ FBI confiscated these docs to seal them again by making them part of a new investigation. So I think that the play that the FBI was going after at Mar-a-Lago was to confiscate these declassified documents. And Trump, again, is allowed to have these documents, these declassified documents, He's allowed to have them. And in the pile, there might be some classified documents, but by definition, anything he brings out of the White House is, he could deem it, he could just declare it declassified. But the interesting aspect of this is this. This uh, document 
At my request on December 30th, 2020, the Department of Justice provided the White House with a binder of materials related to the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Crossfire Hurricane Investigation. Portions of the documents in the binder have remained classified and have not been released to the Congress or the public. I requested that the documents, uh, the documents so that a declassification review could be performed. And so he did. So a memorandum on declassification of certain materials related to the FBI crossfire hurricane investigation was written up on January 19th, 2021, one day before Biden was to be sworn in. And obviously this was done for a reason. And it says it's, I say here, it's worth repeating that Trump declassified Crossfire Hurricane on January 19, 2021. He may have held the documents as leverage to protect he and his fam- him and his family. Biden and his DOJ FBI thugs confiscated these docs to seal them again, to make sure that they never see the light of day. By making them a part of this new investigation. So by raiding Mar-a-Lago and calling this an an investigation, um, then what you what you end up having is you end up having these documents. You know, just just listen to Chris Ray every time you ask him a question about anything. He's like, "Well, I can't comment on that. That's currently under investigation. Can't comment on that. That's uh, classified." Can't comment on that. That's sealed. Crossfire Hurricane is a myth. It's a fake story hatched by the same FBI that created the fake kidnapping of Governor Whitmer and Northam. It's it's just nothing but a goofball, bunch of goofballs that make stuff up over at the FBI. I also add here, I said... They want to make sure these docs never see the light of day along with Hunter's laptop. The reason why corrupt rhinos like Lindsey Graham talk out both of both sides of their mouth is because they're as guilty. They're a guilty they're as guilty as their Democrat deep state colleagues. And by that what I mean about Lindsey Graham is he said, well, we're going to investigate this. How many times have we heard Lindsey Graham say, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to get to the, we're going to investigate this. And nothing ever happens. It's just words coming out of Lindsey Graham's mouth. But he was also instrumental in this crossfire hurricane because he hated Trump with a passion. And he loved Joe Biden. I played those clips for you in the past where he said, Joe Biden is one of the best men God ever created, and that Donald Trump was a xenophobe. And he said it just like Harriet Hegman did. But what they've done is they've now made these documents that were declassified part of this new investigation, which gives them the privilege of sealing these documents once again. Because everything associated with these documents associated with Ukraine and CrowdStrike and all the different things that uh, Julian Assange and WikiLeaks came out with, they don't want them to ever see the light of day. 
<clears throat> Crossfire Hurricane, uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of internal documents that's going to show what a rigged situation the FBI had going against its own uh, people. So here's what Cash Patel had to say related to the declassification of the documents down in Mar-a-Lago. By President Trump made it his mission to declassify and be transparent. In October of 2020, he issued a sweeping declassification order for every Russiagate document and every single Hillary Clinton document. Then on the way out of the White House, he issued further declassification orders, declassifying whole sets of documents. And this is a key fact that most Americans are missing. President Trump, as a sitting president, is a unilateral authority for declassification. He can literally stand over a set of documents and say, these are now declassified. And that is done with definitive action immediately. The fact that the bureaucrats at NARA, who referred, remember, the National Archives are the ones that referred this to the Department of Justice, but they, the same principle, failed to refer Hillary Clinton to the Department of Justice when they got their hands on the uh, classified emails from those servers. And switching gears a little bit to the national security officials involved, you know, me as a former national security prosecutor in the National Security Division where this case is being run out of, it's no surprise that the likes of John Carlin, who was the Assistant Attorney General for National Security, who authorized a Russiagate hoax to begin with, is now the number three official at DOJ. And Lisa Monaco is the wow. number two official who was his superior back then. These folks, and this is the, this is the thing I want to stress with, now that this is a quote-unquote ongoing FBI counterintelligence investigation, they will come out to the American public and be able to say, ongoing CI investigation, you will never be allowed to see the Russiagate docs or any other docs that wow. President Trump lawfully declassified, and they will hide it from the public, and Congress has a monumental lift ahead of them. Come November, they better start subpoenaing these documents immediately and putting these people before the American public. Merrick Garland and FBI Director Chris Ray have failed in their mission to uphold the law. They have become political hucksters, and they are completely... There. That's... <laughs> so he just basically doubled down on what, what I had been saying. Um, and it's true. That's exactly what the play is for Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump writes, The DOJ and FBI just returned my passports. Thank you. Unfortunately, when they raided my home, Mar-a-Lago, eight days ago, this was, uh, eight, you know, when it was written, um, they just opened their arms and grabbed everything in sight, much as, a, much as a common criminal would do. This shouldn't happen in America. Of course it shouldn't. Donald Trump also wrote this. Somebody responds, Still can't believe the Epstein attorney is ruling over this charade. Judge Reinhardt to hold hearing of Trump request to unseal Mar-a-Lago affidavit this Thursday. What is the left's trouble with transparency? <clears throat> there is no way to justify, Donald Trump writes this, there is no way to justify the unannounced raid of Mar-a-Lago, the home of the 45th president of the United States, who got more votes by far than any sitting president in the history of our country, by a very large number of gun-toting FBI agents and the Department of Justice. But in the interest of transparency, I call for the immediate release 
of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break-in. Also, the judge also the judge on this case should recuse. Now, a lot of people don't think the judge is going to come through on this. Let's take a listen to what bombshell uh, Eric Trump came up with. Let's take a listen. Now, Donald Trump, defer right. him. Last We're question. 90 days out, Sean, from the midterms. Yeah. It's, not, it's not surprising. This timing is not surprising, and it's backfiring on these people. Will you, you still have the surveillance tape, is that correct? Will you, are you allowed to share that with the country? Absolutely, Sean, at the right time. And your body cam point was spot on. That's why cops wear body cams. They don't tell you to turn off cameras. They want transparency, and that's not what happened here. And you know for a fact they asked for the cameras to be turned off. They asked for the cameras to be turned off. Wow. All right. Eric Trump. Unbelievable time. It is unbelievable. You know, we, we <laughs> they don't want transparency. And, uh, you know, every time Chris Ray comes to the committee, he's stonewalling. You know, um, in response to the Laura Ingram comment about uh, Donald Trump, about, uh, you know, when she said they're exhausted by the battle, the constant battle, uh, that they believe, that they may believe that, well, maybe it's time to turn the page if we can get someone who has all the Trump policies who who's not Trump. And again, I disagree with that a wholeheartedly. I I think Trump deserves our support. Nobody has taken the slings and arrows like Trump has. If anything, he deserves more of our love, not less. To do anything different is to be a coward, in my opinion. Yes. Would DeSantis make a great president? Absolutely. I think he would. But I think the way we take our country back is to not compromise, but to take it all. Just take it all. President Trump and Vice President DeSantis in 2024. Come 2028, DeSantis runs for president and wins, picks a running mate, and gets reelected in 2032. And then by the time 2036 rolls around, I think we're, our country would be sitting in a great place. There's no doubt about it. That would be the absolute end of globalism as we've ever known it. And the damage that they've created, the equity that they have squandered, the trust that they have violated on the left won't be forgotten anytime soon. And they, they will suffer the biggest downturn, the longest drought of victories, our longest drought of no, with no victories um, that we have seen in perhaps the history of our country. Generally speaking, you know, you could expect maybe three terms like we did with Reagan in the 80s and then into Bush. But... That was a lot, three terms in a row. 
The Democrats have enjoyed it. I think they they got it with uh, uh, Kennedy and Johnson. Um, but you know the thing is is that uh, I think we're we're de- we're deserving and poised and ready with the, uh, the with the bench that the Democrats have with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all the spineless swine like Adam Schiff and. Eric uh, Swalwell and the Biden crime family. You can't get any worse. I don't think I've ever seen any worse. I mean, Obama was was bad. This was a Muslim that hated America and sold America down the river, fleeced America for all it was worth, raised our national debt worse than we've ever seen in our history. And now with the, the COVID debacle and everything else in between, we're seeing it's even worse. But really, Biden is just a, just a bootlicker from Obama because he's ultra-compromised. And if he wants to stay out of jail, he's going to have to toe the line to the mobster named Barack Hussein. I mean, that's the kind of hardball play that's going on right now. Donald Trump has now ended the Cheney, Bush, and Clinton political dynasties, someone wrote. So true. All right. So let's listen to this. They just signed, uh, Biden came back out of vacation for a day, signed this this bill. Uh, and it's going to do all the wrong things. It's going to raise taxes on people making less than 400000 no matter what Biden says. It's going to uh, cause inflation. It's going to be huge problems. It's going to create huge debt and huge problems for our economy. And all in the name of climate. And I have a beef with that. First off, let's take a listen to what Manchin, Obama, and Biden And uh, Schumer said about raising taxes during a downturn, a recession, or you know, an economic downturn. Let's see what they had to say. The last thing you want to do is to raise taxes in the middle of uh, a recession. When the economy is in decline, you don't want to raise overall taxes. I I don't think during a time of recession you mess with any of the taxes or increase any taxes. No one is going to want to raise taxes when we have a recession. In an economy like this. The last thing we should do is raise taxes on the middle class. So they did it. They did it anyway, right? They didn't listen to themselves. And I want to play this again. This clip to me is super important because while we're we're spending $739 billion on a climate package, to pick winners and losers and like as if we didn't learn our lesson with the cylinder debacle. Green is not even ready. And this is another disaster engineered by the Democrats. And they're, they're, put, they're spending and regulating and taxing in the name of climate. And the climate is cyclical. There's no proof that the climate is man-made, man-made, and that there's no proof that lowering emissions is going to create a change in the temperature. 
There's no proof of that. The physicist uh, Brian Cat. We played it yesterday. I'm going to play it again today because I think it's worth listening to because of the idea that we've just passed $739 billion in the name of climate change. To put it in perspective, that's a total and utter waste of money. Completely a waste of money. But it's designed just like COVID. They manufactured this COVID and their response to control people and herd them like sheep. And they're doing it again. Let's take a listen to this truth. We all accept we're in a period of global warming, but a lot of people are are panicking, aren't they? Um, Uh, Yes. (laughs) Are they right to panic? No. Um, They should relax, basically, Um, simply because if they were to go and look at the natural history of the Earth, which has all been unravelled since these climate myths were created by the UN, they'd find that actually what is happening now is almost totally normal. And the Earth, on the short term, forget ice ages, that's a confusing thing, but for the last 10,000 years, which is a short, warm period within an ice age cycle... It goes up and down about a degree at the equator, two degrees at the poles, about every thousand years, um, and it's perfectly normal. And the rate of rise now, before people start, obviously people might phone in with this one, the rate of rise is not unusual either. It's about one degree in a century, and it goes up and down while it's... It can go up and down a degree while it's doing that. Yes. And that's a global average over 30 years. It's not the weather. So... (laughs) So we've got on one side, we've got the intergovernmental panel on climate change, we've got thousands of supposed experts yep. all stuffing th- stuff into their models. Um, why are they wrong? Um, well, because their presumptions that they feed into their models are wrong. And I think we talked <laughs> briefly about this. It's called GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. That's the point. And one of the assumptions they put in is there's no natural change. So if the change that they assign to carbon dioxide is actually natural, there is no anomalous, diff, uh, in, what's the word I want, Ex- additional change to be observed. So it's not actually happening. And there's a very good reason why that could be so. Stop me if you bore you. <laughs> that, which is that it's a very small effect, the greenhouse effect. Within the overall parameters of the atmosphere, there are much bigger things at work, like the sun shining on it and the gravity pulling the atmosphere onto the ground, which basically sets what the temperature gradient, all this sort of stuff. But the control is from the oceans. The clouds control. The clouds are the control of Earth's climate stability. So, so in a sense, you think that people are panicking unnecessarily. Um... And we've been warming now for the last sort of 150 years or so, give or take, uh, since about 1850. There's something interesting about that that period, isn't it? Tell tell us about that, because why did they choose that point? Well, oh, that's because it's the lowest point. We are at one degree above the coldest it's been in the last 10,000 years. Let's just repeat that. I mean, that's remarkable. And the other remarkable thing is it's two degrees cooler than the warmest it's been in the last 10,000 years, which is the Egyptian and the Minoan period. So this is really important, folks, because this is data and uh, that uh, essentially uh, the IPCC, they always talk about that we are uh, one degree higher than than the pre-industrialisation period than 150 years ago. But what you're saying, Brian, is that was the lowest point in the last 10,000 years. Correct. 
So, so in a sense, that's why we shouldn't be panicking, and that it's been much warmer in, in two or three previous periods. Yes, and in the last interglacial, which was 130,000 years ago, when the country is much, pretty much where it is now, about 50 degrees north from the equator, there were hippopotami and elephants on the banks of the River Thames. That, that, was, that would be quite a sight now, wouldn't it? it? Would. And, and it's well known, this is natural history, and it's, it was six degrees warmer than it is now. And there were humans wandering around the place, presumably hunter-gathering happily. Um, we're a tropical species. So, I think we... You know, and so, therefore, we uh, have to have these, what, climate initiatives, these green cards, um, so that uh, we can control people. And it just... Here, here's a globalist, uh, Morrison from Australia, in December of 2021, he was talking about controlling people like sheep. Let's see. I appreciate greatly the work done by all the premiers and chief ministers and seeing those national vaccination rates get to where they are. We've got, uh, we've got one more state to get through that gate. Um, as it's, it's a bit like you know, getting the sheep through the gate um, <laughs> into the run. Uh, and uh, we've got one more state to get through. The issue now is not case numbers. The issue is now the impact on, on our hospital system and the public health system. The national plan was a deal with Australians. They rolled up their sleeves and we opened up the country. That was the deal. The Commonwealth government, the federal government is keeping... And, you know, Canada has this Arrive Can uh, system, uh, you know, so it's, it's quite crazy. It really is um, just absolutely stunning. And... What it is, is we end up with these radical left-wing behaviors. Uh, here's a doctor, Sherry Preya Dar, uh, out of Pittsburgh and Chicago. And listen to what she has to say about puberty. Priya Dar, I'm one of the doctors at the Center for Adolescent and Young Adult Health here at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. I wanted to talk to you guys today a little bit about puberty blockers. Puberty blockers are basically a medication that says, hey, let's just put a pause on puberty. Um, and that can be really beneficial for younger kids who have start, already started the puberty process who either might um, go through a lot of psychological distress as they go through puberty if they're uh, struggling with gender dysphoria, or for somebody who's saying, hey, I'm not really sure if I feel comfortable in my body or, or what gender I truly identify with. It's sick. It's disgusting. That's child abuse. Um, I don't know why they're allowed to get away with this, but these are medical professionals that don't have your children's best interests at heart. There's also um, the same people that are pushing climate, the same people that were pushing the lockdowns. Listen to this. This is uh, over at the National Pulse. Research reveals COVID lockdowns claimed 20 times more life, life years than they saved. So COVID lockdowns could be responsible for claiming 20 times more lives than they were advertised to save, according to a new analysis published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. The paper, which bases its conclusions on a comprehensive review of other relevant lockdown-focused literature, was authored by researchers at the Jerusalem College of Technology. Well, we're finding this out now, but it's really, it's almost like too late, right? Research reveals, um, oh, okay. Well, the research also reveals that there's a spike in miscarriages. 
So that's too late for that. Dr. Burke's book, Pharma Companies Responsible for Thousands of Deaths During COVID Peak. So no one in the big pharma-sponsored media seems to have picked up on this. And we just heard from yesterday, we played clips from Moderna, and we played clips from Pfizer. Pfizer, the guy, uh, quadruple vaccinated. He's sick with COVID. And the uh, Moderna guy said he's got to throw it in the garbage because they, they uh, people don't want it. So former White House Coronavirus Task Force spokeswoman, Ambassador Deborah Burks, has effectively laid blame for thousands of deaths at the door of big pharmaceutical giant Pfizer and Moderna, claiming their refusal to pursue a compassionate use authorization for the COVID-19 vaccines led to a delay which directly impacted nursing home residents. So, you know, there's so many things that they did wrong. And do they apologize for it? Are they losing any sleep over it? No. None. Oh, here's the American Greatness report. 44% of pregnant women in Pfizer trial lost their babies. FDA and CDC recommended jabs for expectant mothers anyway. So FDA and CDC saw that number and said, no problem. We're going to give them out anyway. And if you reported this concern because you heard it through the grapevine somewhere, you would be blocked and censored on big tech social media. And there's another report that says we got to get ahead of if big tech isn't regulated. If big tech isn't regulated before 2024, the election will be rigged again. So we really need to get on this. We need to get behind this. Um, I had a great clip for DeSantis uh, where he said, basically, wokeism. Uh, Florida is where wokeism comes to die. Uh, talking about wokeism in our schools. Great soundbite. We'll probably play that tomorrow. But we're out of time today. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out org and find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. We do it each and every day on this show here. And your support is very, very helpful and appreciated. Also, be sure to use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com. Red State as your promo code. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there